Hi, I'm Reverend Grant Mansfield. And I'm Rabbi Andy Warmflash. And this, this is Common Grounds. Hey, Grant, how's your tea? Oh, it's really, really good, Andy. Thank you for asking. You know, I'm always a, a sucker for the Earl Grey with a little bit of honey in it. How are you doing today? How's uh, the coffee? I, I'm doing fine. Um, yeah, delicious as always. So what's going on with you? Oh, gosh. You know, uh, it has been busy in all the best ways. Um, we did a baptism this past Sunday, which was absolutely amazing. And I've spent the rest of my week helping my dad stain a deck. So the joys of life. Absolutely. What about you? What's been on your mind? um, You know, we're now just about into the fall holiday season. Uh, And and particularly what are known as the high holidays, which Mm -hmm. which are arguably, arguably some of the most important Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about beginning a new year. It's about a certain amount of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And one of the major themes is sin mm. and how we deal with sin. And, you know, as religious people, I think that's something we, we both think about. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time, you know, for in the Jewish tradition, it's, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. In the Christian tradition, it's it's Lent leading up to, to ah. Easter in the spring. So, yeah, it's a big piece of our tradition as well. You know, and I, what I'm wondering is we, as we've said before, we come from really different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at different places in our lives. We have different gender orientations. There's so much different, but we often agree. I know, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, it is great. And we, we get there in different ways. Yeah. But so I'm wondering if this is something we're going to agree about. Yeah, I, I'm really curious about it. I, I feel like we might have some, some nuances in it. So, you know, oh, I, I'd love to kind of hear how you enter into this. You know, I think about how uh, sin is kind of thrown out in our, our culture nowadays, like that that phrase sinfully delicious is that something that it's, comes across? isn't that weird yeah. <laughs> right right <laughs> sinfully delicious right as though there's something wrong or bad about pleasure right that enjoying mm-hmm. a piece of let's say devil's food cake it's right? my favorite cake ironically <laughs> is, is it, yeah so there's something wrong about that in enjoyment and that's absurd right so the word sin has sort of been its meaning has has seeped out of it that we could even talk about something as serious as sin so mm. what how would you define sin yeah that's a good question and i think the way i would define it in our the christian tradition defines it at least in the episcopal church it's connected to like you said that that seeping out the meaning of it but it's also contrasting what a lot of christians have been raised in sin to be, right, is you've done something morally wrong and, and you're a bad person for it, which is not actually what I think the the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures teach. So in the Episcopal Church, the way that I understand sin and the way that we teach about it is sin is something that pulls us away or disconnects us from God. Huh. So it's not a, a judgment kind of thing on a person. It's sin is something that that pulls us apart from God. And that's really all that it is. And under that definition, anything potentially can be sin. 
you know, there's a phrase going around that, you know, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. And I think it kind of leans into this idea of, of sin is something that pulls us away. You know, if we, we, for instance, with devil's food cake, if I loved it so much that that's all I ate every single day in my entire life was dedicated to that, or that's where my attention was always going, that'd be considered sinful. Not because having a good thing is bad, but because it detracts me from what God calls me into. So, so that's how that, at least yeah, the Episcopal that's, Church that's defines really it. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. And, what about, and it's a very different way of conceptualizing it. Because really? in Judaism, sin is pretty specific. Mm-hmm. We can talk about a list of sins that mm. people commit. One of the things that we do on the High Holidays, uh, there are a couple of places, particularly on Yom Kippur, where we collectively enumerate sins. Mm, I have mm-hmm. sinned before you, O oh Lord, by doing this, and I have sinned before you by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's not something that we personally have done, mm-hmm. because others may have done it, we and we sort of confess it yeah. uh, together. So it, it's more specific. On the other hand, mm-hmm. coming back to something that you're saying, if you look at the Hebrew word, so chet, mm-hmm. which is a sin, Right? When we say that prayer, al by the sin that we have done before you mm-hmm. by doing this or that. Yeah. So chet, is the image is archery. Mm. The arrow misses the mark. Mm. Right? I love that. Yeah, yeah. that does kind of resonate so, so with this idea. So there's a little bit. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. And another word, and there are lots of synonyms. Oh, <laughs> of course sin, there are. Right? Different kinds of sins or different words for sins. Another one is Avera. So mm. in an Avera, which is in some ways the same thing and then a little bit different, uh, is it means to pass off the path. To go, right. to, if there's a way we should live, then you're, think about the word transgress mm-hmm. almost, right? You're, yeah. you're going off the path and you need to return right. to that path. It, and I think that's where, you know, the Christian understanding of sin, this, it really comes out of that Jewish understanding mm-hmm. of, of that part of it. Because, you know, we, in Christianity, we, we have, you know, the, kind of like this is definitely a sin, like this particular action piece, but it all for us ties back into, you know, are we straying from what God desires for us and for the world? And and I appreciate that, you know, in the Jewish tradition, there's this communal confession of sin. It's an individual confessing, but a, a communal is what I'm hearing. And that's very similar in, you know, the Christian faith as well. You know, every Sunday in the Episcopal Church, Roman Catholic churches, Lutherans, there is a communal confession of faith, and it's very individual, but it's very communal as well. And And I love that because I think in wider society, when the word sin is heard, it's uh, tied to, well, this, this one particular person did this bad thing, and if you don't do that bad thing, then you're not sinful. Well, there's lots of things that pull us away from God that we might not have direct control over, but we're still being pulled off the path. Like I think of a really good example of this in the United States is uh, the sin of slavery. Mm-hmm. And we see the the living out of that brokenness of wandering away from God. And did every single person enslave a person during that time? No. Folks who live today, have we enslaved people today? I hope not. Gosh, I hope not. 
but we still have the that sin being re-emphasized and redone over and over again through our institutions and our government, and we we haven't repented fully from that yeah. either. No, I think that's right. You know, your raising slavery really raises an interesting question for me. Mm. Probably not one to talk about today, because it'll. But you know, you can go back to before emancipation, and you've got religious leaders quoting scripture to justify slavery. I right? know. Isn't it horrible? Yeah, it is. And it's it, to horrible. Us, to us, it's appalling, right? And, you know, and, and, and sinful, can I use that it's word? It's very sinful, right? Yeah. Right? Uh, but, but so the question of, really, how do we deal with that given changing standards and, and everything else is a fascinating question, which I hope we'll come back to. Yeah, um, yeah, at, we will need to <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Um, so, I want to think about sort of more broadly: mm-hmm. Are people sinful? Mm. Let me hear your answer to that one first. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd love to hear your response to that one. Well, so it they can be in the Jewish tradition. We have this idea that. A person is neither inherently sinful or inherently good. I mean, we're good because we're created in God's image, and God is right. good, right? But there's it's actually described as something called the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer Hara, good inclination and a bad inclination. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine an angel on one shoulder and a devil on, on the, the other, and they're kind of both whispering mm-hmm. to you. So we're not good or bad, mm. but we, we have both. Hmm. You know, that's very interesting. I, I, I actually, I really like that understanding of it. Because in, and again, this is where you have to kind of go into nuances within the Christian tradition, because depending on what denomination or what branch of Christianity you're in, there's different theologies around what sin is. But from my understanding as an Episcopalian, and as a part of that part of Christianity, you know, I believe in what I believe our tradition teaches is that people are good. Like you said, in, in the book of Genesis, God made humanity and called us very good. So there, there's a goodness in us. And yet, even at the very beginning of creation, again, back to that understanding of sin is something that pulls us away from God. We as humanity were tempted away by God by something beyond ourselves, the knowledge of all truth and wisdom. Right. So, I mean, the expression yeah. I hear, yeah. right? Is original sin, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you do with that? Do you believe that? Do Episcopalians believe that? Yeah, well, I, I think it's an inherent piece of Christianity as a whole. Now, how we go about understanding what original sin means is different, right? Some people, in a more kind of more literal standpoint, which isn't really based in, I think, what actually our tradition has taught for two thousand years, but they'll say, you know, oh, Eve ate the apple there were no apples in the garden it would have been a fig if some we're being too, fruit yes right. some fruit and so it's all east fault it was that one decision and and i don't think that that's really what we're seeing in the book of genesis when we talk about sin again it's something that pulls us away from god and i do think that there is an understanding that within each human being as you've named we have the the ability to to sin to wander away from god and that's just inherent you know if we think about why did god create creation and humanity in the first place. The Christian faith teaches 
Well, because God had so much love, God wanted to love something into being. And if you're truly going to love something or someone, if you have control over who they are and like their decisions, is it really love? Can they choose that? So you have to, this ties into the concept of free will. We have to be able to make the choice to choose God in return right. or to walk away. And so from that instance, I understand that there, there has to be some concept of that within us in order for us to fully choose love. Interesting. You know, I want to say, as we're talking, I'm thinking about this is classic rabbinic midrash. It's a, sort of a fantasy, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, and it's about the creation of human beings, which you mm, raised. Mm -hmm. So there is this statement in the Bible, let us make humans in our image, right? The plural. Mm -hmm. the plural. So, so according to one tradition, um, God's talking to the angels, right? The heavenly mm. court. And the angels say, bad idea. <laughs> right? You, you always need a naysayer not, in the group. Not a, good, not a good idea. Because, you know... Human beings are, are mortal, and they're going to make mistakes, and then you are a just mm -hmm. judge, and it's, it's not going to work. Right. It's not going to work. God says, well, I'm doing it anyway, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And God's merciful, too, not, yeah. just, not just just. So I wouldn't call that original sin so mm. much as an understanding of human nature, Right, mm -hmm. that people are imperfect. Imperfect people make bad decisions, and yeah. to use your language, that pulls them away from God or from the correct path or from God's expectations. Yeah. So yeah. I want to ask you something else, right? Yeah. Um, people often talk about children, particularly mm -hmm. young children, and they use the word innocence, mm -hmm. right, which suggests devoid of sin. I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, it, it trust me, it's an interesting concept that I, actually I deal with this question all the time. You know, in, in the Christian tradition, in the Episcopal Church, we baptize infants. And so there's this question of, well, why are we baptizing them? Because we use the language of removal of sin. Ah. So so it's, it's a natural piece of this for us. But, you know, again, it, it goes to what are we born into? Are we talking individual sins or are we talking about community sins? And I think that's a very important piece because when we're born into this world, I do believe, you know, we inherently come into this world good and that we do have a large degree of innocence. And that child has no control over the world that they're born into. They have no control of the systems of power and all that mm -hmm. stuff going around. They are fully dependent upon their parents and their extended family. And I think that's where we need to, at least in my understanding of original sin and a child being sinful, in quotation marks, it comes out of just being born into an inherently imperfect world with broken systems. And so that doesn't mean that this child has something evil in them. They really do come out with a lot of innocence, but they're born into a less innocent world. Ah, so I want to say that this is maybe somewhere where we disagree. Oh, I'd love tell right. me more. Because, and this isn't original sin, mm -hmm. but there is a sense in which children, um, young children, I don't know if I'd use the word sinful because it, but they're selfish. <laughs> well, I mean, they, I can't deny they, that. <laughs> they think, you know, th think about, I want, I want, yeah. you know, he took my toy, I want it back. You know, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no sense of responsibility. 
right? right? You have to learn that. You mm-hmm. have to be socialized into that. The Jewish tradition says that, in fact, up until the age of bar or bat mitzvah, right, coming to maturity, tied to puberty, actually, um, which is interesting because it's getting earlier and earlier, yeah. right? But the so <laughs> at a bar mitzvah ceremony, mm-hmm. there is traditionally, not everybody does it anymore, a blessing to be said, which is, blessed are you, our Lord, our God, who has relieved me of the obligations for the sins of this one. In other words, mm. if a child sins, it's the parent's fault. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Because they, yeah. they didn't do what they needed to do. Because Either they're to, not fully taught yet. They haven't formed. taught the child or they haven't controlled mm. the child, right? So you imagine a, a five-year-old Mm-hmm. Goes into a candy store, grabs a candy bar, and starts walking out. So, who is that a sin? No, the parents should have. Right, there's, there's a teacher. They, they should be there, or they should have, right? But when they get to be, say, 14, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're a thief, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, so, so, there is that sense of children, right? right? Not morally culpable exactly, but. But they're not innocent. Right. Well, and actually, I think this is, we really do agree on this. I think Of course we do. I I think we do. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, Christianity comes out of Judaism. We got a lot of in common. But, but, you know, in the Christian tradition, that, in particular in the Episcopal Church, when we talk about baptizing young infants, again, it's less about, like, the sin of, or the language of sin is in there. But the emphasis is about, we are adopting this child we are baptizing this child into the love of god it's in it's the parents who are making the vows on behalf of that child because they can't make it for themselves right and so the parents are the ones making the vows that um they will raise the child Mm -hmm. in this faith tradition and and model that for them and teach that to them and there's actually a a vow that we do that says whenever you fail and fall or fall that you will repent and return to the Lord and the response is I will with God's help. So mm-hmm. even in the vows we're acknowledging we're going to screw it up as parents we're going to screw it up as the community because the community also makes this commitment. So it's it's the same thing. It's not until the age of confirmation which is close to the same time as bar and bat mitzvahs that that individual then becomes more responsible for their own actions and pieces. But I, I still think that that nuance of how we are born into an imperfect world, even as a child, though we're not culpable for those things, we still benefit from them. And mm-hmm. I think that's that piece of, you know, how, how do we grapple with, with sin that's not tied to an individual, but is tied to generations over generations. You know, it, it's funny. I, when you, you raised this question a little earlier, and I was thinking about it, and there's a biblical passage that came to mind, mm-hmm. though not the way people usually think about it. So there's a law which says that if a body is found, someone who's been murdered, it's found mm-hmm. between two cities, mm-hmm. right? So it's not really clear who did it, where they even came from. So the elders of both cities have to go out to where that is, and they make a declaration. Hmm. Our hands have not shed this blood. Mm. Now, that's a very odd <laughs> declaration, because yeah. no one thinks that they did, right? right. So what does it mean? And, mm. and, and one way of looking at it is that 
we didn't protect this person, that our mm. city, uh, for whom I'm responsible, right, didn't do its job, yeah. right? And so we have a level of culpability, yeah. though we didn't shed this blood, yeah. right? So I, I think that speaks to what you were talking about mm -hmm. in, in some sense, being part of a society which, you know, we're in and of and have responsibilities to and may not be what it should be. Exactly. And I think where what I hear you starting to name and get into is, you know, where, where does repentance fall into this? You know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, the sin being this understanding of, you know, wandering away from God or coming off the path. Well, then how, how do we come back in? And and I think that's a powerful thing that I've heard in both of our traditions that there's an individual repenting of, of coming back to God. Mm -hmm. But there's also that community act of doing that as well, that there are sins much, you know, sins meaning things that have pulled us away from God that are much more beyond just the action of one person. It's of a whole community. And so I'm curious from the Jewish tradition, how, what does repentance look like in, in that sense? How is that lived out? Wow. Uh, so this is a really big question. Um, and it's really inherent in this annual process for us mm -hmm. of the high holidays because it's all about repentance, mm -hmm. right? It's, and it, it not surprisingly comes at the beginning of a new year. Mm -hmm. You look back, you're thinking about where your life is. Part of what the holidays are is um, we're forced to look at and counter our own mortality. How much time do I have left? Mm -hmm. I don't know, right? Have I been living right? And now what can I do to come back onto the path, to come back to closer to what God wants? Yeah. And there is a very specific process mm -hmm. that one is meant to go through. So one part of it is that there's a recognition that there are sins that we do before God and sins that we do to other people. Mm -hmm. Right now, I, I might add that the sins that we do to other people are also sins. Before well, of God, course, because right? we're all made in God's image, <laughs> right, right? Yeah, right. So, um, but there's a very different process, mm -hmm. right? So, a lot of what we do in synagogue mm -hmm. and Yom Kippur, in particular, is an entire day pretty much spent in synagogue. It's mm -hmm. a day of fasting. It's a day of prayer. Right, yeah. solemn, awesome. Right, mm -hmm. but the run up to Yom Kippur largely has to do with other people mm. and actually going through thinking deeply about people that we may have hurt or offended mm. um, and approaching them mm -hmm. and asking forgiveness mm. before we can ask God to forgive us. And, and so, and it's not just, um, though some people do this, you know, if there's anything I've done to you in the past year, I hope you'll forgive me. Right, and people do that. Yeah. It's very pro forma. Right? Yeah, it's like and, how, how genuine is that really? Yeah. yeah. So so it's much more about thinking about specific ways in mm. which you know I wasn't a better parent or child or friend, and what I might have said or might have, might have done, and then asking specifically. You know, trying to repair those relationships, yeah. acknowledging our failing in that relationship, mm. um, and asking for forgiveness, yeah. which we may or may not receive. So the tradition mm -hmm. is, 
you've got to ask three times. You can't mm. just say, okay. Mm. Now, after the third time, it's on them. If you come mm. sincerely and, and acknowledging what you've done and they're not willing to forgive, mm. you could say God forgives you in, in a way, right? right. It, it is so strong that there's even a tradition, though not widely practiced at all, that if a person has passed from this world, you go to the cemetery and ask for forgiveness. Wow. Yeah, see, in our tradition, we, we don't, I think, have specifics within, like, to, to that degree. But the idea of there are sins that we do to others and to God, and like you said, they all come together. We, we have that concept in the Christian tradition. What came to mind for me um, as you were talking about you know, the number of times is, um, it's a passage in one of the gospels in the new Testament where, you know, Jesus is asked, you know, how often should I forgive? Should I forgive seven times? And he says, no, you should forgive 77 times. But the idea being, we should always be forgiving others because God constantly is offering that forgiveness to us. So in, in the Christian faith, you know, through the, the lens of Jesus's teachings, that's a core piece of ours where it's there there has to be this acknowledgement that we we have strayed that we have done harm in some way and because of that we we have the knowledge that our forgiveness is there already from god even if we can't accept it for ourselves yet god's offered it now whether we receive that is another thing but then as we take that there, there's another step into it right it's it's not enough just to repent and I think this gets into the theme of reconciliation and restoring relationship, which is forgiveness can be had, but that's not the end of it. Then there's the the work to repair. Yes, right. So it, it's it's a beginning. It's not an end. Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely right. So I I think this question of forgiveness, mm. right, is huge, mm-hmm. really, and and important, and I think there is a difference, or, or there may be a difference between us, our traditions yeah. about this. A little um, bit. And I want to come back to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I want to suggest to you that we do another podcast, that we, we follow up on this. And I want to mm-hmm. talk about two things, if it makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, one is not just seeking forgiveness from other people, but also from God, right? Because mm. we haven't come to that piece yet right. though I think there's more to say and also there's something else that's tied to this mm, mm-hmm. and that's guilt ooh guilt yeah yeah right mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes back to being guilty <laughs> because you're for sinful pleasures or or something but mm-hmm. but and I would just pose this is guilt a bad thing mm that's a really good question. Yeah, I, we're going to need a second conversation, I think, to, to dive into this. Because I agree with you, this is so important, and not just for for those of us who um, are a part of religious communities. I think when we look at the state of our country right now, this is we we need to understand these things of how we go about forgiving harm. And, and guilt plays a large part in that, I think, and what we're seeing more widely in our country right now. So, yeah, let's, Great. let's give that a All shot. Right. <laughs> We'll talk next time. Yeah, talk next time. All right. Have a good week. You too. Bye.